0: We've got Cubs spring training games this weekend. A whole slate of baseball here. The offseason finally feels over as we've got Cubs spring training games going. So lots to get to tonight on Behind the Yellow Line. Full crew tonight. Jeremy is here. Randall, it is especially good to see you here tonight. If our audience doesn't know, Randall has spent most of the last week in Oregon at a 300-square-foot light-isolated room where he was hanging out with a certain quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. So, Randall, it's great to have you back in the sunshine here. Was it a good trip for you?
1: No, this one asshole in the same room kept talking about the Packers. I was going to strangle him in his sleep.
0: I just uh, saw that story. It's amazing, the traction that it's getting. And uh, everything Aaron Rodgers does seems to get the attention of the press these days.
1: Because we're that fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Duh. Wow. All right. <laughs> Randall coming the out anger. hot tonight. Uh, well, the retreat.
1: He,
2: he didn't like the retreat, apparently.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess it uh, wasn't as positive as an experience for <laughs> yeah. Randall or as enlightening of an experience right. I say, for Randall as it was for Mr. Rogers. Uh, another reason to be excited tonight, it is our 100th podcast. We have been doing this. We fired up this ship in December of 2020. A couple weeks later, we unveiled the first episode And now here we are on the cusp of spring training games, and we get to 100. So congratulations, guys! It's been a long run to this point.
1: It has been a long run, but it's uh, it's good to get here. It's been mostly fun getting here, and we we did our our episode zero test run, like you said, December of 2020. We officially began January 2021. Here we are, just over two years later, and we've managed to record 100 of these podcasts without setting anything on fire that hasn't uh, needed to be set on fire. It's been a great journey. Uh, 100 episodes i'm happy that i get to do this
2: with my pals. you know get a good pals night now once a week and that uh yeah it's been a consistent thing that you know i think it's good to consistently put content out there and uh you know we got it started when we got started and it was good to keep us through so i'm very i'm very glad and hopefully we're gonna have a successful cub season one of these days on the podcast a winning season
0: well, that's the question I wanted to ask here. Let's jump right into predictions for the day. Will the Cubs win a World Series championship before we get to 200?
1: Well, okay. So we're, we're averaging about 100 episodes in every two years. So the question is, will the Cubs win a World Series by 2025? And I'm gonna say yes. All right. I'm gonna wow. say yes. I I feel very good things about twenty twenty-four and twenty twenty five.
2: Okay. I, I'm gonna say no. I, I, I think it's very <laughs> difficult to win a World Series. I'll be I'll take some playoff series. Yeah. You know, just being there and getting some wins maybe. That's was my ex- goal for the next years. I was years.
0: expecting a resounding no from both of you, and then I yeah. thought, okay, the next question would be what about a playoff appearance by two hundred? That's a unanimous yes. The Cubs are going to be back playoff bound. And maybe that starts here this weekend. Our first spring training games. It starts Saturday at Sloan Park. The Giants will be visiting the Cubs. They host the Dodgers on Sunday before the first split squad game on Monday. Long story short, 33 games in 35 days. You throw in that World Baseball Classic and the Cubs playing Team Canada. We've been waiting all winter for this. Finally, we're going to get to see some Cubs baseball in a full month's worth of it.
2: Baseball is finally here. It's awesome. You know, last weekend we got a little bit of a taste of if you're a college baseball fan, you got some some opening day. But now we're here to watch Major League Baseball. Uh, we're gonna see Marcus Stroman take the mound on Saturday, Adrian Samson backing him up. I'm excited for that. And I'm I'm excited just to see the cubby blues out there. Uh, well, they're probably not gonna wear them on sat- blue on Saturday, but uh just to see, you know, the, the hats at least. Uh, out there, and, and Cubs baseball. I'm I'm very I'm very amped up, and so you know it's always like that first. It feels a little warmer when you see Cubs baseball on your TV.
1: Absolutely, the the sunshine from Arizona it filters through the television and it, it warms your abode. It's like the modern fireplace. It's great.
0: Yeah, just hearing. Boog and JD. I mean, just just hearing JD's voice this weekend, what I put on the TV is going to be like, oh, okay, here we go. I don't get the marquee here in Denver, so I don't get to see him on the panelist shows and all that stuff during the offseason. So for me, him in the ballpark, fans mingling, the crack of the bat. All right, summer's coming. This is what I get so excited about.
2: Yeah, and I'm excited to see uh, Dexter Fowler, who was out there today, giving hugs all around. Yeah, Uh, big hug with David Ross, talking to him, giving some advice. Apparently to Cody Bellinger, who's hitting balls out of the yard. Uh, So I'm excited. You know, we're gonna see Dexter Fowler out there. We're gonna see. I'm sure your favorite Ryan Dempster will be out there. I'm sure a bunch of guys will be out there. You know, on the on the call with the on marquee. So you know, but when you get Cubs baseball on the air, you know, as Randall said, it warms everything up a little bit in the abode. And uh, it's just, it just, you just get that feeling, and so I'm excited, you know. Uh, facing the Giants, we'll see what the first lineup is, but Cubs baseball starting on Saturday, we are going to have Cubs baseball through, hopefully through September, may maybe into October. So that's going to be awesome.
1: And equally noteworthy, not just uh, the television schedule, the radio schedule begins this Saturday as well with this first spring training game. So, Jeremy, you said Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air. It's not official until Pat says it. And, of course, these are Pat's first broadcasts as a a Hall of Famer to be. Um, you know, the, the radio schedule is a lot more truncated. It's generally just the weekends in the spring. But it, it, it's still great to hear Pat coming out of the radio and telling you that Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air. It's not official until he says it. Brandon, will you be are you watching first... the game saturday? Uh, I will be busy during the game saturday, but uh you know that's the wonderful thing about cable is that they will probably replay it at some point and I will be all over that just to um to, just to just to get the sights and the sounds. And yes, that is the unique variety of damage that I possess is uh watching a replay of a spring training game. That's just that's just how I'm wired.
0: Randall, I will actually be watching that game on delay as well. I've got a uh, on-call evening shift, so I will not want to be home during the day, seeing that I'll be here all night. So I will be watching it a couple of hours later, maybe right as the game ends or so. will be about the time I get a chance to go in and actually watch it. But got that MLB TV subscription locked in today, so I'm ready to go. When those games start on Saturday, I will have the ability to lock in. And to your point, Jeremy, now until October –
2: we get Cubs baseball basically every day. This is the best time of the year. Exactly. And then we're going to start, and also we're going to get the World Baseball Classic a couple which is going to be fun as well. And uh, yeah, you get that, you know, that MLB subscription now. And now they got those Marley games on there. So that's going to mm-hmm. be pretty good for this year as well.
0: That's a really good point, Jeremy. I, the last two seasons, have paid the additional money for the MILB TV subscription, and it's great. The problem is the app was awful. And the interface of getting it from my phone to the TV while it did work, it was always tedious to get to that point. And for years I've been thinking, why can't they put the minor league games on the same app that the major league games are? Well, they finally did it. So that's a total win. Just think that there are going to be so many times this year where you'll be able to watch a Cubs afternoon game at Wrigley and they'll play from one till four, two to five, whatever time zone you're in. You go, you get some food, you come back and you put on, Double A games or Triple A games. You're watching Pete Crow Armstrong out there. It's going to be a lot of that this year as we look ahead to the future, and certainly taking Cubs baseball as well.
2: And it, yes, and and for if you set your favorite team now, apparently in the in the Major League Baseball MLB TV, and it it will bring up your favorite team's minor league games on on that. So uh you know if you're if you're wanting to look for other minor league games it might be a little bit of an issue you might have to go back and use the MILB TV which you have a subscription for but your favorite team you will get to see all of the cubs minor league games all all of their minor leaguers straight through the MLB TV app and i think that's going to be great this year because i will be watching them as well yeah
1: yeah you you both use the MLB TV a lot more than i do which is to say i don't use it at all but it, it seems like every time they make some small improvement like this, you kind of wonder, A, why didn't they do this sooner? And B, why isn't the whole product that much better when there's clearly the infrastructure for it, there's the ability to do it? Why isn't the whole product this much better as opposed to these, these small but really good you know, quality of life improvements? It just kind of makes you wonder why the entire product isn't of a higher quality.
2: Well, the one thing I will say is, you know, minor league baseball was a separate entity until two, major league baseball took it over. Uh, just two years ago. So I think that had a factor in it as well of getting them into all the rights and and into the MLB TV. That probably took some time of doing it. But I agree, they probably you know I'm, I'm happy that they eventually came around and figured that out and got it done so that now we can watch, um, you know, minor league baseball through there. But hopefully in the future it'll be a lot easier to watch all the minor leagues as well, not just like the teams you set as your favorite teams, minor league teams.
0: Yeah. Uh, Because that's one thing here. I mean, I need MLB TV. I'm an out of market Cubs fan who has to watch or listen to basically every game over the course of the year. So I have to get it. Um, But I can't get Rockies games on it. Obviously I'm in market. I'm across the street from the ballpark. That doesn't work. It would be nice though to watch Albuquerque and some of the Hartford, their minor league affiliates as well, and see that next generation of players that are coming up. So it's not a perfect app by any means, but a great addition moving minor league games on there. And with, marquee picking up more Cubs spring training broadcasts, or at least simulcast this spring. We basically get a day of Cubs baseball from now until opening day on March 30th. So there's going to be a lot to talk about on the show. There's going to be Cubs fans that are going to get to see these players highlights that trickle out to social media and some wins and losses. We'll get our first look at Dansby and Cody and Jeremy's guy, Eric Hosmer, all that this weekend. So should be pretty interesting stuff out there at Sloan park. Cubs made a move this week that could potentially impact the opening day roster. A journeyman, 29-year-old corner infielder, Edwin Rios, who spent his entire pro career in the Dodgers organization. Jeremy, this guy's not played much over the last four years or so. Never played more than 32 games in a season. But he's got a little bit of pop. Do you think he's got a legitimate
2: chance here of earning an opening day slot with the Cubs? I kind of do because I feel like he's kind of... uh left-handed like Patrick wisdom kind of uh he's got the pop he's gonna whiff on a lot of pitches um last year not quite as great as his previous seasons when he had a little bit majorly cup of coffee with the Dodgers uh his exit velocity was a little bit down last year but in the previous years when he played for the Dodgers and the you know time he got a chance obviously the Dodgers had so many great players it's tough to crack that lineup but he he hit the ball very hard So I think it'll be interesting to see if they pair Wisdom with Rios, two similar kind of players, but they can they can uh, platoon them. And now you have a lefty and a righty. And then it also allows you to maybe maybe who knows where Chris Morrell starts this year. Maybe he does. He starts in triple A, you know, and uh, because he has options or someone like that. And so. Uh, and maybe you want to give him a little more seasoning just to work on, because you kind of did thrust him into a situation last year, and he performed great. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think a lot of people thought he would be super ready to play. So I do think there's a chance that Edwin Rios, if he hits pretty well in the in spring training this year, that he makes a team, and I, I think you could see a platoon of wisdom in Rios.
1: Jeremy, that was my first thought when I saw this come over the wire, is that he's a left-handed Patrick Wisdom. He's got the power. He plays third base, uh, a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of walks. Um, so yeah, he is an interesting complement to this pool of players that are all fighting for third base time. I think you've got like two different pools, in uh, guys who are probably vying to be kind of the everyday guy, in Wisdom, now Rios, maybe Morel, And then you've got guys who are trying to Fight to work their way into the mix a little bit, guys like McKinstry and, uh, unfortunately, yes, Madrigal. And I put Rios kind of in that first group. I do think he's fighting for uh, a significant share of the time at third base, um, and so it will be interesting to see, you know, what he's able to do this spring and how that affects the roster spot. He certainly doesn't cost anything. Uh, they were just able to move an injured player to the the sixty day IL to open the roster spot. So it's not like you gave up anything or got rid of anyone useful. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this spring. And like you said, if he hits this spring, he makes that third base decision all the more interesting.
2: Yeah. I I just think that I, I, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And I, you know, you, we, we talked about Master Bony, like other guys in the infield who are trying to make it on the team. Master Bony, Nick Medrilla, these guys still have options, so it wouldn't surprise me. Morrell. it wouldn't surprise me. If we start to see some of these guys start in Triple A. Maybe McKintree's kind of that utility guy off the bench. You get a wisdom and 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 Rios as kind of a platoon at least to start the year. Allow some of these other guys to kind of you know, as I said, season a little bit in the minors, and then maybe who knows how the the season plays out if Rios doesn't hit like you know you can easily move on from edwin rios you're not you have nothing you have nothing
1: tied up in him exactly
2: so i i I think it just kind of gives you another another bat like the one thing the Cubs lack is power we all agree on that so it gives you another kind of just powerful bat that hey maybe there's something there obviously the dodgers are a great team but you know they have so many guys that somebody's going to fall through the cracks maybe there's something there with Edwin, edwin edwin rios
0: yeah, and to the point on power, 20 home runs in about 300 major league plate appearances. And I think you're spot on with that last point there, Jeremy. You put this guy in most other systems, he would have more games in the major leagues by now. But you're with the Dodgers. They've got just overflowing talent in the majors and the minors. They've had rock solid production, especially at third base, that there wasn't a lot of room for him in that role with the Dodgers the last few years. So, Maybe they figure something out here. It seems like a no loss situation and one more
2: guy to keep an eye on here in spring training. Definitely. You know, we're going to have, we're going to see a lot of guys who are competing to make that kind of infield uh, spot. You know, you obviously uh, you think Horner and Swanson and, you know, probably Mancini and, you know, Hosmer unless he's god awful in spring training and wisdom probably all have their, the, infield locked up and we'll talk about a lot of these guys later but there's still like those kind of Morel, you know reels we're talking about master boney mckinsey all these guys are trying to get on that bench magical and so though th- that's an interesting competition right there
0: yeah and david Bodie. don't sleep david on him bode, he's yes, trying don't sleep to on david bode earn a
2: spot with the major league team i was up in Longmont the other
0: day david Bodie posters all over the place <laughs> we're thinking about you go make that cubs roster We'll see what he does there. Uh, some other spring training notes here. This one's really interesting. David Ross, the Cubs skipper, proactively before game start says, Adbert Alzali, Keegan Thompson, relievers in 2023. I love this, guys. Randall, what do you think about David Ross just owning this from day one?
1: Well, it means he listens to the pod. We've been saying this all offseason, have we not, that Alzalai and Thompson slot in really well as these kind of bulk guys who can give you two three innings per game two or three times a week. We've been on this train all winter. We've said that's probably the optimal makeup of the pitching staff. The stuff is going to play up for both of these guys in, short, in shorter outings like this. I, I'm good with it. Define the roles early. You, you take a lot of pressure off these guys knowing that they – have roster spots and knowing what their role is going to be. I'm good with it. It's logical. It, it it tells the players what their role is going to be. They'll just have to focus on staying healthy and being effective in spring training. I like it a lot. I don't think anybody's surprised about Adbert. Like we all knew he, he didn't get a ton of looks
0: in the bullpen last year, but he looked pretty good in that role. Keegan, there are circumstances where you could see a team still trying to stretch him out and see if it's going to work as a starter. But the fact that David Ross is going into the season with this Certainly feels a level of confidence that there is depth in the rotation, that it won't be a big drop off there. And I think there's really a vote of confidence here in Keegan in particular. He can be a high leverage, multiple inning, big time reliever. And we've seen him excel in that role. So now there's no questions about this. There's no suspicion. This is your job. Go out there and dominate. And there's a good chance he's going to do that.
2: I'm a little surprised just to say just so early that they declared this, but I do like it. Um, I thought, you know, Keegan Thompson, they would give him a chance to to try to start a little bit, but yeah, we've seen him in the bullpen and Alzelay as well. And I, I think that both of them performed, you know, I think they both kind of looked a lot better in the bullpen. I mean, Keegan Thompson, his stuff seems to play up, misses more bats, just way more effective in, in, in the bullpen. It seemed to me, even though he's had some, some success as a starter, and for Elzalai, I just feel like, you know, it, he always kind of I it's I it's hard to see him stretched out as a starter because he always gets himself in trouble. Uh, left handers have always hit really well off of him. It just I've just never really kind of seen just from the chances he's got as a major leaguer that it just it just hasn't really worked out as a starter. But the times he's come out of the bullpen, he's been able to be very effective. And I think you know, getting left east not to face, getting him, positioning him in, in better situations where he doesn't face as many lefties, I think he could be kind of wiped out and, as a as a reliever. So, yeah, I agree with Randall when he says that, you know, get them in their positions early. So these guys, they know their role now. They know what they're there to do. They have all spring training to, you know, fit into that role, focus on that role This is what they're going to do. They're going to be coming out for maybe multi innings, two innings, uh, possibly three if you get stretched out. But it's going to be short, kind of shorter stints and not like, you know, gearing up to try to go five, six innings. So now now that's, you know, all their total focus. And I, I think that is actually a good thing going into spring training.
1: Yeah. Like you said, a lot of Alzelay's struggles have come against lefties not needing to start allows David Ross to put Alzelay in a much better position to succeed. If you've got a, a sea of righties, right-handed batters coming up, you can put Alzelay in there and you can let him dominate and you can try and protect him from getting burned by the left-handed batters. So it's another way that I think this is going to help Alzelay grow and be an effective pitcher on what we hope is a good pitching staff.
0: Jeremy, you you mentioned a minute ago multiple inning stretches out of these guys and and whether we see mostly Keegan going one inning or two or three, starting pitchers are going shorter and shorter into games. And not just like the three, four, or five guys in the rotation, even the one and two guys at the top of the rotation. Doesn't that put more emphasis on having guys in the bullpen that can go more than an inning and can do it still with high velocity like Keegan can do?
2: I think definitely. I think uh I think the one thing we have seen over the past, you know, decade or so probably, you know, at least five, six, seven years is, as you mentioned, you know, starters going shorter and bullpens becoming getting, not only just getting bigger, but getting more specialized and having more arms that you want out of your bullpen. And I just think, you know, putting more guys in there, you know, getting, he can fastball plays up in the bullpen. He misses a lot more bats and he has the ability to go, as you say, uh, you know, two, three innings. So yeah, definitely. I think, you know, there's that third time through the order penalty, right. That, Everybody we all know about, you know, we, we saw Blake Snell get pulled, you know, in in, in the playoffs uh, or a couple of years ago. So I, everybody knows about it. So, you know, it's obviously in the regular season, you, ha- you have to stretch it out a little. Bit. You can't go as hardcore as you can in the playoffs or just limited games. But when you have a guy like a Keegan Thompson who can maybe piggyback off another starter who went four innings, five innings, and then he could throw you another two. Two innings, then you're getting into that sixth, seventh, eighth. And those are important innings, you know. So yeah, I do think that though that's important nowadays when you're not having when you have stars that aren't going as long as they used to.
1: For better or for worse, this is the modern game and this is the modern usage of a pitching staff. Like you said, starting pitchers are pitching fewer and fewer innings. Teams have more data showing what happens the third time through the lineup. They want to protect their starting pitchers from that. And the, the modern pitching staff has one or two of these guys who throw the the bulk innings. If you, you starter only goes four innings, he's gone twice through the lineup. Your modern pitching staff has one or two of these guys who goes in there and gives you another two or three innings to combine and give you the you know the length of what we consider to be a good start it's not always aesthetically pleasing uh, I know the opener I don't know that anybody really enjoys watching that but the, the fact of the matter is that the modern pitching staff the teams are protecting their starting pitcher and you have these bulk guys who are designed to go two or three innings a guy we used to call you know long relief. As the afterthought in the bullpen, that's now an essential part of the pitching staff. Your your six or your seventh starting pitcher, who you wanted on the team but there wasn't room for in the rotation, uh, he's your he's one of your most essential guys now because he may potentially be throwing two or three innings a game, two or three times a week for you, and that's just how the modern pitching staff is put together.
2: I think the Cubs have done a very good job of building bullpens the last couple of years, and and I I like this idea of. You know, because as as, I, as we mentioned, Al, Alzelay and, and Thompson, uh, I, I just like the idea of them in the bullpen because I, cause I th- said, as I think their stuff will play up, um, the Cubs, I like having guys that can strike guys out in the bullpen. I like having guys that can throw hard and each of those guys can when they're coming out of the bullpen, Uh, you know, less energy conservation. They don't have to go five, six innings. So I think we'll, we'll see a lot more uh, radar guns lit up this year coming out of uh, the Cubs bullpen. Here's the most important question I'm going to ask tonight. Who is more likely
0: to win a wrestling match against a bear, Keegan Thompson, or two thousand three Kyle Farnsworth?
1: Two
0: thousand three Kyle Farnsworth.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say two thousand three Kyle so- Farnsworth. Never, never bet against crazy. Yeah, uh, Ke-
0: Keegan's a big guy, though. That's the point Keegan's, I'm trying to really make. Keegan's here. a big guy, guy, but
1: Kyle Farnsworth is a couple tacos <laughs> short of a combination plate. Yeah, we all I- know it. We all knew it. We will all continue to know it. And he would absolutely, this is a guy who went out and played, what, semi-pro football and is still doing that. Never bet against crazy. And maybe there's other words you could use to describe Farnsey, but never bet against a guy who doesn't know he shouldn't be doing this thing that he's doing.
2: I mean, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. Yeah, he was a D lineman, you know, so it wasn't like he's, he's a big dude. dude. And we see we saw him take down Paul Wilson. I, I, I have taunt. to see I have to see Keegan Thompson take down an opposing pitcher or any opposing batter, to be honest, before I can pick Keegan Thompson in this situation. Yeah.
1: Maybe maybe start Keegan Thompson small, have him wrestle Clark first, see what kind of takedown ability he has. And then you can graduate him to real bears from there. I'm just trying to,
0: in a sort of fun way, make the point that you know Keegan's a tough guy. He's a high-velocity guy. He's going to be a ton of fun, yes, to watch this year. Just love watching him out on the mound, and I really think it's great that David Ross established this from the beginning. This is your job. Go out and dominate, and it's going to be fun to watch him try and do that. You know, Randall, I also noticed here, I'm sitting here listening to you talk, and I'm going, man, you sound absolutely great this week, and now that I'm looking at you, you upgraded the equipment, got the uh, wireless earpod, whatever they're called. You sound great here tonight, Randall. Well, well I'm still using
1: microphone. I'm I'm still using the same microphone, uh, the the same one I've used for all 101 episodes. So the the microphone gets to enjoy a a milestone tonight. But uh, yeah, I I guess I sound better to myself is the most important thing. And don't we all just want to sound better to ourselves? Isn't isn't that the most important thing?
0: I was just feeling like you know you came back from Oregon, a new man, and you just sound great this time on the show
1: well yeah i I like to think I always sound great, but it's nice to have a little technological help, even though I don't actually have any new technological it was help the there, ayahuasca so. tea the ayahuasca yeah tea that's that's exactly out. what it was it was the 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 the, the days in darkness turning into Gollum.
2: yeah
0: well. Here's something that doesn't sound very good. Kyle Hendricks is behind schedule. He did come out and say that the goal is to begin throwing in about 10 days or so on March 1st. Feels like he's about a month behind a healthy spring. I think the three of us here is pretty confident to say we're all sort of pessimistic about a reasonable expectation of what Kyle's going to do this season on the mound. How would you take this news or how should Cubs fans take this news?
1: Yeah, it didn't surprise me at all. We know he's coming off of a a fairly major surgery. We know he missed a lot of time last year. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is a Cubs legend. uh, And so it pains me to say that I'm not really expecting anything from him this year. Um, You know, he's a guy who for all his ability, never had a ton of margin for error, even in his best years. Uh, he managed to leverage that into some very good years and being front and center for some essential moments in team history, but we know it's been up and down since then. And, you know, I, I'm not expecting anything from him this year, anything we get from him, I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. He doesn't throw hard. So it's not like he has um, a lot of, you know, a lot of velocity to try and gain back, but for the most part, I'm just not expecting anything from him this season. Uh, it's
2: disappointing, but not quite unexpected. As Randall said, Uh You know, I think all going into this year, when we're talking about rotations and stars, like we're not even really talking about Kyle. We're talking about uh, so many other guys. And it's kind of disappointing, especially as the one guy, you know, from the core who did kind of sign an extension. And he never really kind of capitalized on that extension. He's he's kind of struggled most of his way through it. And so it's just it's sad to see it kind of go this way. But hopefully at some point, Kyle can get back out there and we can see him again this year. Um, but I I don't I don't anticipate anything major from him, at least at the start of the year. And we're gonna have to see who takes his spot. And it's it's opening up some opportunity for you know guys like Hayden Wesneski and,
1: and some other pitchers. And to be clear, they are not hurting for rotation depth without Kyle Hendricks. They are not they are not scrambling to spackle over that hole in the rotation. There is a lot of good depth at the back end of this rotation. We've talked all winter about how they don't really have that number one guy, but they've got a lot of really good yeah. depth. They've got really good five, six, seven, even eight starters. Um, So it's not like they're hurting for him. And I will say, when I say I'm not expecting anything from Kyle this year, that should not be interpreted as me saying I don't want him to come back. Kyle Hendricks is a Cubs legend. If yeah. his career ended today, he would still be, one of the great pitchers in Cubs history. I hope to see him back on the mound at Wrigley one more time. And I'm sure we we will see him back more than one more time, but I hope to see him back on the mound at Wrigley one more time because he deserves every bit of that adoration. I'm just not expecting it uh, anytime soon. What are the
0: odds he pulls a rich hill in like 15 years from now, he's still playing for like Boston or
1: something like that. You know, he's not a hard thrower. He's a a guile guy. He's a, he's a, a smart pitcher, um, You know, I don't know that we've ever seen that that big, crazy kind of looping curveball from him that Rich Hill has used to such good effect and uh, has hang, hung around since the 84 Division Cubs. But just the <laughs> same, just the same. I could absolutely see him still hanging around as like a, a junk balling righty trying to get three outs out of the pen every couple nights for some team another 10 years from now. That would not surprise me at all.
2: Uh, I think we've seen some pretty good curveballs from Kyle. I, he kind of developed it in his career, career, and he's he's thrown some ones that have gone straight down. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I would love it. I hope Kyle has the best uh, of luck. I hope he comes back. I I hope he, you know, he's back with the Cubs. Hopefully, you know, at least by midseason. So I'm I i do not anticipate him having a huge uh, impact with the 20, Cubs or you know down the road. But uh, hey, if he can, if Rich Hill can do it and stick around and make all the money he's doing as an older player, uh, Kyle Hendricks. I he's had a lot more success as a younger player than Rich Hill had, but hey, I hopefully he can stick around as long as he can. Rich Hill will be 43
0: Goodness. on opening
2: day, and he's back in the
0: division. He's with the Pirates, so we'll see him at Wrigley Field at some point here this season. Uh, love Rich Hill, right? Not knocking on him, and obviously we're all behind Kyle Hendricks. Who knows what's going to happen with him this year, but it would be something if he could come back and and find some magic again, we're rooting for it. We'll see how that plays out. Over in the bullpen, Cody Hoyer, who's coming back from Tommy John surgery, he's begun throwing again. He's still a long way off from appearing in a major league game, but this is one step closer to seeing the former White Sox here on the north side.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good sign. He he was out there throwing. We've seen video of him, him throwing. He's throwing off the mound. Uh he was transferred to obviously the 60-day L, but IL, but uh you know he's already spent over 60 days on the IL, so he can be activated at any time for the most part. So I, I think that it's it's good to get you we, we do want to get something out of this trade. We've seen what's happened with manager goal and the socks have seen what's happened with Kimbrel, but uh I think that you know I, I like I I I think he's going to be back sooner than later. I don't think it's going to be a super long time. Hopefully, you know, we're, we're probably, what, like 13 months almost on his Tommy John surgery, 12 to 13 months. So I'm thinking, like, you know, maybe May or June, Cody Hoyer should be back in the bullpen.
1: Jeremy, one point of clarification. Players can't be on the 60-day I.L., During the offseason because teams would just move players there ad nauseum to clear up roster spot. I believe putting him on the 60-day IL this week means he has to be on the IL a minimum of 60 days from opening day. But like you said, that's still only two months. Um, And I I think putting him on the IL doesn't mean he's not going to be back. I think it means what we all knew that he's still a little ways away but again I, I think it's not at all out of the question that by the all-star break we have him uh we get to enjoy him taking the mound again and uh hopefully being a very effective pitcher i know this is a guy that the cubs have very high hopes for potentially as a closer and like you said it doesn't seem like he's too far off from being able to go full bore again and getting himself back to hell
0: you know jeremy likes those bets that pay out so here's a bet for you cody hoyer leads the cubs in saves this year Right, I'm Not, not very good odds there, but hit that one. That's going to pay out a little bit. Anyway, we're excited to see him. Looking forward to getting him the rotation. In a minute here, we're going to continue our segment on Fangraph's projections and doing our own gambling of our own and saying whether or not the player is going to outperform or underperform those projections. But a quick segue on that. A minute ago, Jeremy, you mentioned the White Sox. Timmy Anderson going at Chuck Garfine and the media. I, you know, I'll say this about Tim Anderson. I was always a little bit envious, even though we had Javi, right? But I was always a little bit envious. It seemed the White Sox had a player that was performing at a high level, seemed to be an easy guy to root for, was becoming the face of the franchise. My respect for Timmy Anderson's dropped a lot since Wilson flipped the bat and the White Sox apparently had a problem with it. And I thought that was a bad look from Tim, going after Chuck Garfine of all people for his coverage of the White Sox. Like, I just, I don't know, man. Why welcome that? And that type of unnecessary attention at this point in spring training. I thought it was an embarrassing look from T.A.
2: Don't forget that Tim Anderson is not going to be on the opening day White Sox roster because he's suspended uh, from the end of last season. And he still has to serve some games from his suspension. So Tim anderson has got some issues, um, unfortunately. And yeah, he always seemed like kind of a fun player. But uh, he's been suspended a handful of times. So, and and to go after Chuck Garfine in that, where he said, you know, you were tearing us down too. I mean, Chuck Garfine, it took until, like... (laughs) August 29th or something, or September 1st, when everybody was ripping on them, Chuck Garfine was basically like, no, they're going to come back. We're going to go on a run. We're going to go on a run. Like, And even watching, listening to Chuck in that interview being like, I, I tried to hold out as long as I can, dude. <laughs> like, I was trying. Um, So I, I just think, like, out of all the people, like, I understand Ozzy, you know, and Frank's been up and down. But uh, Chuck Garfine, woof! Like, can you imagine just... You know, we saw it in 2004, obviously, with the Cubs uh, going after Steve Stone, who's still there on the White Sox. But uh, I just can't imagine going after the biggest White Sox homer and say you were tearing us down.
1: Yeah. And don't forget Tim Anderson has a bench spot with World Baseball Classic Team USA, so he's getting the heck out of White Sox camp soon and he's going to he probably figures to stay away for a, a, a good chunk of spring. But yeah, when you've lost Chuck Garfine, who's basically state run media, he he might as well be like the in-stadium host at US I'm sorry, the Guaranteed Rate Field. When you've lost Chuck Garfine, you've you've lost the plot entirely. So yeah. it's it's messy times down there on the south side. Messy times indeed.
0: I I loved with Tim a couple of years ago, and this is, again, a Cubs fan sort of looking from afar, all the rhetoric about we're going to do the thing our way. There was so much hype around the White Sox organization. We're going to win. We're going to win with confidence. We're going to win with swagger. And then Wilson Contreras flips a bat and their team is a meltdown. Like, like way to undermine everything that you're saying. And it seems like every time he opens his mouth beyond that, I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Why, why is this the fight that you want to have at the start of spring training? It just seems so silly to me.
1: I'm, I'm going to say this, uh, I'm going to say this a little bit smugly as opposed to my typical, a lot of bit smugly, but I'm old enough to remember when the White Sox were the hot team and they were the, the team that was about to take over Chicago. They had the fun players and everything. How did that work out? Have the White Sox taken Jerry. over Chicago yet? Yeah. Jerry. Somebody, somebody fill me in. Have the White Sox taken over Chicago yet? Is it a White Sox town yet? To tweet, tweet at us at BTYL podcast. Let me know if it's a White Sox town yet or don't, don't waste your time.
2: I I do want to correct I, something I did say earlier. I think I was confused. Last year, he started opening day being suspended. I For some reason, I thought that was going to happen this year. He will be on the opening day roster. But last year, he was suspended at the end of 2021 and started to play in 2022. But for what Randall's saying is, you know, I, I – I, yeah, the White Sox, they have been disappointing. But uh, it's still a little early to count all those chickens. I, I give them at least one more year before we see – to really to, to drive into the grave. So don't don't bring too much on us, Randall. Don't don't jinx it here.
1: I,
3: I think some spot.
1: things some things are are jinx-proof.
2: Well, I, let's put uh, you both on the spot
0: right here, and I'll take a gander at this too. More wins in 2023, Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox. Randall, who you got?
1: You know, I'll take the White Sox, but I don't think it's gonna mean all that much. And maybe wow. they win <laughs> three, four, five more games. You know, maybe they win the number of games in the eighties. Uh, I still think they missed the postseason. So I, I will take the White Sox, and just to throw you a curveball, but I don't think it's going to matter. And anyone who wants to say, yeah, the White Sox won 81 games or the Cubs only won 76, okay, have fun with that, enjoy. I don't think it's going to matter. I, I'll take the White Sox, but I don't think it's going to matter one damn bit.
2: I, I, I'll be the guy. I will take the Cubs. I, think, I do think that the White Sox have some issues. I, I don't know how they're going to do this year, but I will say – White Sox, there is that possibility that everything, you know, really does click and you get all those guys and and they turn out to be what you thought they were because we've seen a little bit before and they do compete and win 90 some odd games and then we'll see it. But I'm going to go with what I think will happen, which I think the Cubs do squeak by and win a few more games with the White Sox.
0: I like your optimism, Jeremy. I do think it's going to be the White Sox ultimately with more wins. I think the Cubs are going to finish seven, you know, I think last time I said 78, I'm somewhere around 78. I think the Sox are going to be higher than that. I'm going to say something confidently here, but I may Uh be wrong. So we'll see how this goes. uh, DraftKings, I'm looking at DraftKings the other day. I'm just looking at the odds going into the Major League Baseball season. And I believe the only division that doesn't have a division winner uh, in the minuses is the American League Central, meaning that there's no really like clear-cut favorite. To win the division you see it in the national league central the cardinals are the team that's supposed to take it you see it in every other division i believe except the american league central the best odds in the division are cleveland minnesota's got some good odds too the white Sox, right up there but none of them are really like the ultimate favorites if that makes sense makes am i sense. saying that right jeremy you're
2: the you're the bookie in the group here <laughs> no you're basically saying right? it means it means you know nobody's really like a greater than 50 percent favorite to win the division yeah. the AL Central. Uh depending on what the odds are, obviously they're fake. But uh you know it, it means like the the why the AL Central is like has like the best team is like a plurality, you know, exactly. less than 50%. Yeah.
0: So it it's gonna be a, a battle, I think, in the American League Central. There's no truly dominating team there. And there's some bad teams on the very bottom end of it. So we'll see how it plays out. But enough White Sox, let's go back to the Cubs. Last week Jeremy, the, the brain trust here uh, behind the yellow line said, Hey guys, I got a segment idea. We're going to go position by position outfield infield. We'll get to catchers and pitchers and all that next, but we're going to look at the fan graph projections for a number of players. And then each of us on the podcast have to say whether or not that player will go over, outperform or under, underperform the projection from fan graphs. And you at home might be going, well, that sounds about right. You can take that stance. But for the sake of this podcast, we're going all in on either over or under versus saying that the projections are spun on. So last week we did the outfield. This week we're going to focus on key players in the infield. So Jeremy, let's start at first base and let's see what we all think here.
2: All right. Yeah, we are definitely going to start hot here with uh, our boy, my boy, Trey Mancini, who the Fangraph Projections. Uh, From the depth chart, you know, depth chart was kind of a combination of steamer and zips and has the playing time adjusted up to them. But they it projects that Trey Mancini will hit 245, 321 on base, 410 slug. So, you know, that's the uh, slash line with 17 home runs and one win above replacement. Whereas last year, he actually hit in 2022. And of course, split between two cities, Baltimore and Houston, 239, 319, 391 with 18 home runs and 0.9 war. Now here's one where I'm going to be optimistic I think Trey Mancini is going to have a big year I think he's going to fit in Wrigley Field I don't like what they did in Baltimore with that left field I think it took away a lot of power then he went to Houston I think he was all out of sorts in the trade I think he's going to come back here he's going to regroup he has a whole year I think he plays very well at Wrigley Field I think when it's going to get hot the summer it's going to be in the summer he's going to hit some balls out out of this ballpark and so I'm going with the over I think Trey Mancini is actually going to have a big year.
1: So we, we can't, of course, say, hey, that sounds right. And so for the purposes of this segment, I will join Jeremy in the Optimism Mobile. So Jeremy, scoot over. And I will also take the over on Trey Mancini. I think Wrigley will help the slugging. Um, and uh, so I will take the over on Trey Mancini.
0: I want to eat crow on this. I'm going with the under. but not do that to PCA. No, I'm, I'm going with the under because of a guy we're going to mention in two names who I think is going to take that first base job and dominate and own it. So I want Trey Mancini to have a great year. He's an easy guy to root for. I'm going under though on the one war projection. All right. Next up, Eric Hosmer.
2: Yes, the, <laughs> our boy. As I we said for Trey Mancini, but even more so for Eric Hosmer. I know. I know we have so much love for Eric Hosmer on this podcast. But uh, Eric Hosmer coming over, obviously, also played in two cities last year: Boston and San Diego. And the projections, you know, you'll probably hear these projections. You probably will say these sounded right, right, but that's the point of projections. Like, you know, they're they're trying to get it accurate. So the 50th percentile. So it's 271 on the batting average, 331 on the on base, 410 on the slug, with 11 home runs, 0. 0.7 war. And uh, last year, as I mentioned, in Fenway and in Petco, uh, two very different ballparks they hit in, 268, 334, 382 with eight home runs, 0. 0.3 war. Now, I – we, you can't say it sounds about right. And so I'm going to be the guy and you're going to mock me. I'm going to say over. I think it's slightly over. I think he gets a little bit more than, uh, you know, one war. I think he ends up like 1.1, 1.2. I don't think he's going to end up under. So I'm going to go over slightly for Eric Hosmer. And I know I'm going to get so much hate that he's, I think he's the greatest player that ever graced Wrigley Field and played first base from the Cubs over the next two years. I, it's going to, I'm going to get
1: it. Uh, I will not be joining you in the Optimism Mobile, so you're welcome to to ride off on this one. I will take the under only because these seem like Eric Hosmer might actually offensively be uh, like a reasonable complimentary piece, and I'm not willing to bet that. So I will take the under on these Eric Hosmer projections.
0: I can't possibly say this more convincingly or convictingly, whatever I'm trying to say here. Under. Uppercase, bold, If Eric Hosmer hits 11 home runs for the Cubs this year, they're losing 90 or 95 games because he's on the season all year. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want Eric Hosmer on the May 1st Chicago Cubs. So I'm going under all the chips in, put everything in the middle. He goes under because, again, of the guy that we're going to talk about next. So who is that guy, Jeremy? It's Matt Mervis. What are the projections from fangraphs?
2: Yeah, Matt Mervis. Uh so obviously these projections uh, will also come with a little bit of a playing time adjustment because he, he it's not projecting him to play like a hundred odd games. But you know, last year, obviously crushing it across three levels, but this year the uh, the playing time or excuse me, the projections have him at 250 batting average, 309 uh on base percentage, a 441 slug with 11 home runs and an equivalent. 0. 0.7 WAR to Eric Hosmer whereas last year across three levels we all know what he did he smashed the ball he had 30, 309 379 606 36 home runs which was amongst the major uh, excuse me the minor league leaders of baseball he crushed it so I I feel kind of weird doing this but I'm going three for three right now and I'm going with the over I think Matt Murvis is going to come up and I think Matt Mervis is going to hit so I think he's going to hit more than 11 home runs next year I think he's going to hit pretty well so Matt Mervis I'm going over
1: Jeremy move over I'm getting in the elevator and I'm hitting the up button I will also take the over on Matt Mervis I feel like we've seen the more advanced approach in the minor leagues we've seen him put in the work we know the the hit tool is there I'm going to take the over on these Matt Mervis projections
0: Randall have you ever been in a crowded elevator with me
1: uh I'm sure I have I've probably blocked out the memory in the name of um in the name of continuing to live a normal life but uh, well, let's I can't make say a it new one. Happened.
0: Let's make a new one, though, new memory for you. I'm getting in that elevator all in. Push all the chips in here on Matt Mervis. Uh, I, I, I want this to happen. I'm trying to will it into being the case here because, to me, he's a much, much better option at first base than both Trey Mancini and certainly Eric Hosmer. Matt Mervis is going to be sent to Des Moines for about two weeks or so. He's going to hit about five home runs, and the Cubs are going to say, all right, let's see what's here. He's going to earn that starting job. And May 1st, he is the everyday first baseman for the Cubs. Eric Hosmer is off in some AAA city or, you know, on a beach somewhere, just enjoying the next stage of his life. And Matt Mervis has a monster season for the Cubs. hitting me over.
1: Ronan, I'm good with this. Just stay on your side of the elevator. I'm going to watch you.
2: Moving on, shall we? Uh We'll go with the next guy because we're going to move on. Those were the first baseman, of course, DH types. Now that we're in the national league with the first baseman, at uh, slash and dh, but uh going in more towards the, to the middle infielder and more towards some players that we think the cubs actually have that are actually some pretty decent talents. Uh, we're going with Nico Horner to start off with. And Nico Horner had a breakout year last year. Wow, opening day home runoff. Corbin Burns. How about that? In the cold, awesome to watch. Uh so the projections have him hitting 276. 329, 396 with 10 home runs, 3.4 WAR, and of course last year with a great year hitting 277, 329. Uh, I don't think he. Oh yeah, excuse me, I'm reading the wrong one. 281, 327, 410 with 10 home runs and four. More. I was looking, I was like, oh, that's not the right stats. Uh, with four, uh, with four WAR, excuse me. And for this one, I'm actually gonna be a little bit pessimistic. I think Nico Horner is great. I love Nico Horner. I think he's gonna have a very good year. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I, I think he's gonna be a little bit underneath this. So I'm going to go with the under, uh, I think he's gonna be like a three war a t- three win type player. I, I don't think he's gonna, I think he's, I don't think he's gonna hit for as much power as he did last year. I, 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 but I think he's gonna be a great defensively, especially at second base more so than he was at shortstop. So I think he's actually still going to be a very valuable player for the Cubs.
1: I'll do the opposite. I will take the over. And you mentioned Nico Horner homering off of Corbin Burns he cost Corbin Burns $750,000 imagine what the arbitration case would have been like if he hadn't homered off Corbin Burns on opening day but I will take the over on Nico I think he's going to continue to grow as a hitter I think the on-base percentage kicks up just slightly more he's never going to be a guy who walks all that much but I think he's going to continue to grow as a hitter Um, so I will take the over on Nico Horner with these
0: yeah, I'll take the over too. a lot of confidence that Nico takes another step forward this year. Uh, also, and I, I try not to fall into the trap of you see a lot of stories in spring training, best shape of their lives, all that stuff. The, yeah, the big Nico push has been like this guy epitomizes being a cub. This is the clubhouse guy that all the prospects are looking up to. And those stories have been churning out like every single day for the last two weeks. Jeremy, I'm buying the hype. Like, I'm loving it. I'm sitting there reading those articles going, come on, Ronan. If this was any other team, any other franchise, you'd be rolling your eyes. And here I am going, oh, man, we got Nico at second base this year. So I'm in on Nico.
2: I love Nico. I think he, I I do think, and I, I, I want the Cubs to extend him very much, but I just, I know he had such a great year last year that I I, I do think, I mean, I'm a little skeptical of him repeating it. Randall, are you
0: getting. Yeah. Any tingles here with all these stories about, oh, this is like the face of the Cubs? Pete Crow Armstrong calling out Nico and saying, that's kind of our guy.
1: Well, tingles is, is not the word I would use in part because that's not really a word that I use. But again, it's nice to see that he's setting an example for the young guys. You've got so much talent. That you hope contributes to this major league roster sooner versus later. And so it's nice to see that they have this guy to latch on. There's stories about Alzalay helping out the younger guys because that's what you Darvish did for him. And you'd rather, even if those stories are complete BS, you'd rather hear them than not, because you, you hear it just as well if a guy is just a complete asshole in the clubhouse. So if we're gonna hear about, you know, these these fluff stories that probably aren't as true. As they are presented as one way or the other. The stories might as well be about how a guy is a good dude in the clubhouse and helps out the younger guys and he gives them an example to look up to. So I'll take that versus the opposite.
2: Yeah. So we're gonna go to the next guy, right? So uh our big off-season signing uh over there at shortstop, uh coming over from the Atlanta Braves, Dan F. Swanson. Uh the projections have him hitting 253, 316, 425 with 23 home runs, 4.3 war. Uh, last year, and I, these were the stats I was reading before for for Nico, and I was like, that can't be right with the slugging, <laughs> two seventy seven, three twenty nine, with a four seventy seven slug, uh, twenty five home runs and six point four WAR. So for Dansby, I'm gonna go over. I think he goes plays at Wrigley. I think I'm gonna give him similar to Trey Mancini. I think he's gonna hit for a little bit more power. I think he, I, I think these that slug is a little too low. I, I think these offensive numbers are just a little bit too low. I think he's gonna hit, you know, twenty five. To thirty home runs, I don't think he's going to hit thirty home runs, but more in that range than twenty-three home runs. So I'm going to go with the over, Dansby response. And I also think his defense is going to play up now a little bit more without the uh, uh, the shift because you want more rangy guys, and beats one of the best rangy guys there is. And so I think you're going to see kind of a gap more because Dansby's so good at with the range that other players aren't as good there, and the shift can't hide him.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over on Dansby here. Um, I think he does outperform this again. He's also a guy who's never going to walk all that much, but I think he, I think he overperforms this, even if just by a little bit. So again, we can't say that sounds right. And so I will take the over.
0: I really hope it's the over. I'm going to go with the over as well for the sake of voting in this. I'll be really disappointed if Dansby is less than a four or four and a half war player. He's coming off of a monster season with Atlanta. The Cubs gave him the huge offseason contract. The Cubs also told us, hey, we're serious about winning. They better think that Dansby Swanson moving forward is closer to a five or six war player than a three or four war player. So for the sake of everything and making this a good signing long-term, let's take the over. Uh, But it does feel, Jeremy, to your point, Fangraph's here expecting a pretty big step back offensively too. So hopefully he can keep the power numbers up, get that wind blowing out at Wrigley and throw a couple more homers into the mix.
2: Yeah, obviously, you know, waiting past seasons and his his year, uh, the year before last wasn't the the best year he had, and the, the year before that was only in sixty games. It was a very good offensive year, but uh, I, I, you know, just that four point three WAR, I, I still believe is the highest projected WAR on the Cubs. So he it does project to be the Cubs' best player next year, and that still is kind of an all star about an all star level production. You know, about five WARs, all star level, but you know, once you get over four. It's kind of you're in that vicinity. So Dansby, I, I just think he's going to do a little bit better. I, th- I think he's going to hit more than 23 home runs. I think he's going to do a little bit better. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he was the big signing, and so hopefully you cash in very hard with Dansby Swanson next year.
0: Well, so, last week, Jeremy, we talked about Christopher Morrell as a center fielder. So as we go over to third base here, he's sort of out of the mix. But P. Wizzy, Patrick Wisdom is someone we will talk about. What does FanGraph thinks? And
2: then let's dig our own projections. Patrick Wisdom. So the one interesting thing about Patrick Wisdom was because these are the depth chart projections, they they do adjust the playing time. And Patrick Wisdom's playing time wasn't very high. Like he was only getting like, I think it was like 100 games or something. Like, it wasn't like a lot. So his I think his total numbers looked a little low. Uh, but uh, he they have him hitting 208, 293, 421 with 16 home runs, one war after, of course, coming off a year 207, 298, 426 with 25 home runs and 1.1 more. So for me, I actually think he's going to hit more than 16 home runs next year, but I don't think he's going to have a better year. So I I guess I'm going to go under. I think he's going to produce less, but I do think he has so much power that he's, I I just don't see 16 home runs. I think he's going to get like 20, 20 some odd homers. Even if he's playing less, I think he's still going to, he still has a little bit more power than 16 home runs.
1: Yeah, Jeremy, I'm in the same place you are. Um, I, I think that's a good way to put it. He's might produce more, but maybe still have a worse overall year. And, you know, we don't expect this Cubs team to necessarily be um, productive this year. We don't expect them to be a ton successful. Um, And so the Cubs, you know, they don't really have any reason to jettison him if he's not performing, as long as he's hitting for power and the rest of the lineup is not abysmal. So I will take the under, but uh, I I do agree with you that I do think he's not going to top out at 16 home runs.
0: Well, I'm taking the over, and I'm not all that excited about that because I think Patrick Wisdom's going to play a ton this year. There's nobody – there's not a whole lot of other help there. Yeah, there's guys sort of vying for a spot on the roster. None of them are particularly good, though. You know, I don't think Zach Mc kinstry is going to be an everyday third baseman i don't think mastroboni is going to be an everyday third baseman so i think he's going to get a lot of at bats and with that is going to come a fair number of home runs so i will take the over but i am concerned long term about third base for the cubs there's no immediate answers in the minor league right now and if machado's getting an extension in san diego that's one of the big free agent names at third base that's going to be off the clock so hmm, i'm worried about third base for the cubs moving forward and i think that's going to mean that patrick wisdom gets a ton of pas and will do better than a one war season
2: yeah and just to point out like just looking it back up like this was they only had him playing 73 games so that that was 16 home runs in 73 games so i think it's pretty crazy but to to your point about third base i i machado says he's gonna opt out the padres made him an offer you know uh, and he declined that offer. He had a deadline February 19th, I believe. And he says, I'm opting out. I'm not going to discuss it during the regular season. And obviously you still think the Padres are probably the leader there. But if, if yeah. Manny Machado makes it to open market, like the Cubs have to be on that. I, I think they have to be on that. They need a third baseman. He had a great year last year, almost seven win a season. He's still only 31 years old. Like I, I I, was looking him up. and I was thinking Machado has got to be older. He's He's going to be entering – He'll be 31 at the end of this offseason or or in this offseason. So, like, that's kind of the usual age. Guys go to free agency. So uh, I, I think the Cubs have to be involved in that. I think, you know, maybe you don't land him, but you definitely have to seriously pursue him. And I think he's a realistic option for the Cubs if he makes it to free agency. We'll see. Their base, big
0: question yes. moving forward. Um, we omitted Nick Madrigal, uh, and I'll just say, I don't think he makes the team. Do either of you think Nick Madrigal is a Chicago Cub on opening day?
1: No, I think he's the very definition of an odd man out.
2: I've kind of, every time we've talked about him, I've, I've thought that, you know, at some point they're going to trade him. So I still yeah. think they're going to trade him before opening day. Sure. I, I don't think he starts in the Cubs, or I don't think he ends up in the Cubs organization on opening day. Yeah.
0: So we're not going to include him here for the sake of projections. Next week, we'll go to catchers. And then beyond that, we got some relief pitchers to look at. We got starting pitchers to look at. And if you've got any real arguments with us, if you want to fight me for taking the under on Eric Hosmer, we are on Twitter at btylpodcast. This is our 100th podcast. Randall says he's got trivia, Jeremy, for you and I. And after that, Jeremy, you and I got a special trivia for my niece, Tegan. It is Simpson's Trivia. So we're going to end the show today
1: with 100 trivia, and then Simpsons trivia. Randall, bring it. Let's see what you got. All right. As tonight's theme, of course, is 100 for our milestone 100th episode. Tonight's trivia focuses on the century mark in team history. I have uh, seven questions, five normal questions, two bonus questions each asking who the last player was to achieve his 100th such statistic as a Chicago Cub. Now, this is not achieving a career milestone as a Cub, but achieving this statistical milestone solely covering a player's time as a Cub. For example, David Ross hit his 100th career home run in a Cubs uniform, but he, have not, of course, did not hit all 100 of those in a Cubs uniform. He would not be an answer to one of these questions in that regard so some of these are going to be a little easier some of them are going to be on the harder side but they are all names in cubs history that we are going to love so we'll start off with the last cub to hit his 100th cubs home run so the last cub to hit his 100th home run as all hit with the member with the with the chicago cubs as a member of the chicago cubs
2: I, I I have a
0: guess. I mean, I can go. I, I, is it an outfielder?
1: It is an outfielder? Oh, no, I was outfielder.
0: asking Jeremy. I was asking Jeremy. My if guess, guess was, was not an, an outfielder, but Randall just oh. said it's an outfielder. So I was thinking Ian Happ. That's, that's where my head was at. Oh, what about you, guess. Jeremy? I was thinking Wilson Contreras. Oh, that's a good guess, too. <laughs> <That> <laughs> but Randall's
1: an outfielder, so I don't think I'm right. That is an excellent guess, and we are actually going to double-check that as I provide this answer. Oh,
0: wow wow double check. oh yeah we, we are
1: going we are going to double check this just to be sure i definitely um,
0: was the first name that jumped out at me uh but wilson and a lot of home runs as a cub
2: this is this is what happens when randall spends all that time in up in a in a retreat in oregon yeah with, you know who he does the discount double check okay so you know what
1: check. You know what? I am not wrong, but you are not wrong either. Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ both accomplished that feat. They're 100th, 100th Cubs home runs. They both accomplished that during the 2022 season. So okay. uh, I, I think both did it recently. I think, it uh, uh, well, they, they both did it in 2022. This isn't yeah, like yeah. a date-specific thing. It's a season-specific thing because we don't need to get too into the weeds here. All so right. follow that with 100th pitcher win as a Chicago Cub. And again, these are all games won as a member of the Chicago Cubs. So 100th pitcher win in this player's Cubs career. Guy we talked about earlier. Hendricks,
0: are
2: you saying that that's what I was thinking. I, I feel like, I don't feel like, I just feel, I feel like it's somebody older almost because I I feel like it's nobody recent. I don't know. I just, that's just where my head's at because I just feel like we don't see guys get as many wins anymore, but uh, hundred pitcher wins. As a cub, I'm I. I'm gonna. Oh, guess... so it didn't
0: happen this past year.
2: No, it did not. Oh, happen okay. This past hold, on, year. hold on.
0: Hold on. Hold yeah. on. Okay. Okay.
2: Well, I, I'm. I kind of guess mine, or I'm gonna guess Carlos Zambrano was the last guy
0: all
1: to rack up 100 right. wins as a cub. Ronan, what's your guess?
0: I I, I you know I wasn't listening. Randall we had that long intro, and I was like <laughs> zoned out. Shit. You know, you got to keep it tight, man. We live in a TikTok era here. You got to keep things tight.
2: Got to keep it tight. Uh,
0: 100 wins. Zambrano a good guess. But uh, I will say Kerry Wood.
1: All right. So Carlos Zambrano was the most recent Cubs pitcher to do it. He won his 100th game as a Cub in 2009. He also homered in that win. Kyle Hendricks is the active Cubs wins leader with 87 wins in his Hmm. career, of course, all with the Cubs. Neither Lester with 77 Cubs wins or Arietta 73 Cubs wins, got there in their career. So Carlos Sombrano was the last Cubs pitcher to win his 100th Cubs game uh, again in 2009. This next one should be pretty easy for you. The last manager, Cubs manager, to win his 100th Cubs manager win. Bruce Kemp. Uh, it was not That's Bruce Kim. I'm sorry to say. That's Maybe, a joke, may, people. May I'm, he rest in peace. David Ross, uh, Jeremy is correct. It is David yeah. Ross. I mean, now these these next lab, two, yeah. these next two are I think the two best questions of the bunch here. The last Cubs reliever to record his 100th Cubs save. The last Cubs to record 100th Cubs
2: save. I. I I have some names, but I don't think they record 100. I'm going to go I'm going to go a long time ago.
1: Not that mm. long if you're but I'm going to say Randy Myers. All right, we have a Randy Myers from Jeremy Lee Smith. Ooh, long. So time these ago. of course are of course both fantastic answers. The answer is actually Carlos Marmol. He recorded oh, recorded wow. 100th Cubs save in 2012, and he is one of only four Cubs with 100 saves as a member of the Chicago Cubs. He is third all-time in franchise history behind Smith and Sutter, Suter and ahead of Randy Myers. And then finally, the last Cubs player to record their 100th career Cubs stolen base, the last Cubs player to record their 100th stolen base as a member of the Chicago Cubs, Sammy. Uh, you know Chicago. that's a that's a great guess. You know I always he, remember he Pat a, telling he to telling me that Sammy Sammy used to run more when he was younger. So we have a guess of Sammy. I just feel like it's got to be more recent than Sammy. Yeah. yeah, I just I I don't know. I mean Fowler
2: was only here two years, so I don't think he got to 100. No. no. Um, I I, I'm trying to think of somebody who is here a little bit that would run like Brian, I guess, Ray, I'm going to guess somebody I'm going to guess. You know what? Actually, I was going to guess somebody else, but I just changed it around. I think it's Javi Baez.
1: Ah. So these these are great guesses. The answer is a favorite of the show, a favorite of Cubs fans everywhere. Ryan Terrio.
3: Oh, Oh, wow. wow. (laughs) Who stole
1: exactly 100 career bases as a member of the Cubs. Uh, exactly 100 career stolen bases a cub and he's actually 32nd all time in franchise history in stolen bases with exactly 100 career steals as a member of the cubs and then we have our two bonus questions i'm not going to make you guess years here but i am going to make you guess quantity how many seasons in this uh long and illustrious franchise history have the cubs won 100 games And in how many have they lost 100 games? I'm not going to make you Mm. guess years, but I am going to make you take a stab at quantity here.
0: I I think loss, I'm feeling like two or three maybe. All right. And about
2: the same for wins too, like two or three. That's how I was thinking. I'm going to say like, I'm going to go a little bit more for wins. I'm going to say like, like, I'm going to say like four or five, like four or five. And I'll say four, I'm going to say four.
1: And I think losses, I'm going to say three. I'm going to say four wins, right.
2: losses, three. Jeff
1: Blauser. So the answer here is actually six franchises, yeah. six franchises, six teams in Cubs history have won 100 or more games. Right. And three of them have lost 100 yeah. or more games. 100 win seasons in 1906, 1907, 1909, 1910, 1935, and then not again. Until the 2016 Chicago Cubs, and then your 100 lost teams: 1962, 1966, and 2012. And that is your level 100 trivia for our landmark uh, 100th episode of Behind the Yellow Line. Good stuff in there.
2: Yeah,
0: good stuff. But I, I was, yeah, I was thrown off it uh, after that first question. But nice to think about it. 100. Been a long oh. way coming. Well, a couple weeks ago, we had Colin, my nephew send in a couple of questions to us, and as a pod, we crushed it, knocked out all the answers right. Tegan, my niece, said, i need some Simpsons trivia. So we'll deviate from the Cubs course for just two questions here. Here's the first one. Tegan, take it away.
3: What's up, BTYL crew? I got a two-part Simpsons baseball question that's going to stump you. In the Season 3 episode, Homer at the Bat, there are nine famous MLB players that are featured. Name all nine.
0: Oh, wow. Ooh. All Should night. we alternate names or what do you want? Like uh, we'll start with Daryl. Start do with Daryl.
1: Okay, you'll start with Daryl. I'll go Steve Sachs. Ken Griffey uh, Jr. Oh, Randall,
2: sorry.
0: Oh, Randall. I, yeah. I, I didn't gonna, know you'd participate. My fault.
1: I, 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 you know, I'll participate where I can here. It's not my strong suit. I'm going to throw in a Mattingly there. I know he needed to uh, to shave those sideburns. He did. All right, uh, throw Junior in there as well. Ozzie Smith. Yeah, uh, that, that's all I got for you. So if you're I waiting on he, me, yeah. don't.
2: So we've got, what, four? Right, we have we have Sax, Smith, Manningly, uh, Junior, and Daryl five. Five of nine. Kinsaco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, Uh Mike's Shosha. Yeah, Schmidt. Schmidt was he? He was there. Okay, John, was he? I'm just, I I don't remember to be no? I don't you know the others. I'm just trying to think. I just think. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of who else was. You, you had Daryl, was obviously. I'm trying to think of like what happened. Roger Clemens was definitely That's right. on there. So we have at least eight for for sure. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll put a pin in Mike Schmidt for now. We'll just think it. I feel like you said Kinseiko? I did say Kinseiko. Okay, yeah. Mike Schmidt was it? You know, years
0: later, McGuire was in an episode yes because
2: they did the whole steroid thing and the, the robot was was, in an episode yeah,
0: but not that one not that one
2: i'm trying to think of what happened to each of them um uh, i feel like there's one more that's not mike schmidt but i don't know um uh, like who was the third baseman i mean maybe it was mike schmidt uh I don't know. Maybe she stumped I'm us. Wav- maybe we only got yeah, eight. Yeah, I'm
0: waving the white flag. All right, let's hear the answers. Uh, what do you got, Tegan?
3: The answer is Wade Boggs, Jose Canseco, Roger Clemens, Ken Griffey Jr., Don Mattingly, Steve Sachs, Mike Sosha, Ozzie Smith, and Daryl Strawberry.
2: Wade Boggs got in the fight at the bar with Barney over the greatest British <laughs> prime minister, Fidel <laughs> vs. Lord Palmerton, now I remember. Wade Boggs. What am I
0: talking about with Schmidt, man? (laughs) Well, I said
2: Mike Shosha, and then you said Mike Schmidt. I was like, is this his name?
0: (laughs) I think uh, think that threw me off a little bit. All right, one more from Tegan, and I'm going to preface this one. Tegan has zero confidence that we're going to get the answer right on this to the point that she has a hint already sent in here for us if we can't get it. So here's question number
3: two. Originally, Mr. Burns wanted a different team of players only to discover that they had retired and died many years prior. Name at least five from this original team.
2: That's a good one. That's a good one because it was really like only on the board. I, I just have guesses as to who they were. Should should
0: Do you want to take those guesses or should we fire I'll up the I'll,
2: I'll take guesses. I mean, well, I'll take a couple guesses first. I think like I could think of like Hannes Wagner, I think might have been up there. Uh, Rogers Hornsby maybe. Or, yeah, like I, they were some older players. I remember that. Um, yeah, I will take the hint. Let's let's dive into the hint here.
3: If you need a hint for question two, here you go. Three of the players were formerly Cubs, and one was a very famous Black Sox player.
2: So that's got to be Joe Jackson, right? She was Joe Jackson, yeah. The very famous. How I many did she say were Cubs? Or did she...
0: Three, I think. Was it three? three?
2: So you didn't talk about Tinker or Hippo Vaughn, maybe? Um, well, I think Rogers Hornsby was one of them. So yeah. that's a Cub. Um, who else were Cubs like? Uh... Was three finger Brown up there? Mordecai Brown? Ah, uh, maybe. I have no idea. This this is uh, a great question. It is. Well, I would say Rogers Hornby, Three Finger Brown, show Jackson, Honus Wagner. That's like four. I think maybe I don't know, but she got she got us probably. Maybe yeah, like Ryan as well. Ryan Terrio, hundred steals. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see what the answer is there. That's a
0: good one.
3: The answer is Nap Lajouet, Honus Wagner, Cap Anson, Pick Trainer. Shoeless Joe Jackson, Harry Hooper, Jim Creighton, Gabby Street, and Mordecai Three Finger Brown.
0: Okay. All right. Mordecai Three Finger Brown in there. I was wondering, you know, I'm not surprised Mr. Burns like Cap Dancing. That makes a, a lot, lot of a sense. Lot
2: of, yes, makes a lot of sense nowadays. I did throw the apple joie out there at the end. And that was the first name she said. So I think I got like three. Yeah,
0: we did Ronan, okay. No but...
1: surprise, no surprise that you have a niece and a nephew with uh, fantastic radio skills. No surprise at all.
0: They they do a fantastic job. You're right. And tough questions there from Teagan. We'll periodically throw a little more Simpsons trivia in here, and definitely more Cubs trivia. Collectively, Randall, good trivia questions. Teagan, good trivia questions. It's our 100th podcast. Last time we're going to do this, Randall.
1: It Who, is... if anybody, has
0: worn double zero in Cubs history?
1: Well, it is the end of an era. It is the last time we're able to do this segment. We have run out of numbers until they start issuing uh triple-digit numbers or half numbers like Burns Ball in Futurama. There has been only one uh uniformed uh member of the Chicago Cubs to wear double zero, and that was Lester Strode, the venerable Cubs bullpen coach. He was nominally a number 35 as a Cubs coach. But of course, when the Cubs acquired Cole Hamels and his jersey number 35 at the trade deadline in 2018, Lester Strode, a amicable soul that he is, says, I don't need this number. He gave his number 35 to the uh, newcomer Cole Hamels, and he took number double zero as a member of the Cubs coaching staff. And that is the only uniform Cubs individual player or coach to wear number double zero. During the regular season. So that has been quite a ride. We technically never covered number zero because this was not a segment. Um, But of course, there has been only one cub to wear number zero uh, in the regular season. And that's Marcus Stroman. But uh, other than that, wow, we've gone from one all the way up to double zero in, in just over two years. And that's that's crazy. I will miss this segment because this is great for remembering some names, remembering some guys, whatever you want to call it. So I will miss this segment very much.
0: Well, Randall, maybe moving forward, periodically, not every number, but we can find some type of a little trivia or Cubs fact pertaining to a number as we move forward here. I really liked your 100 one today. It was pretty creative stuff. Um, here's two hundred more. Let's do this on and on and on, and let's get a division championship, maybe a world championship one of these upcoming years here in Chicago. We're on Twitter, at podcast. Randall's also on Twitter, folks, at Randall J. Sanders, so make sure you give him a follow. And we'll be back next week being able to talk about Cubs games. See you next time.